The bishops met in Baltimore in mid-November. Has the dust settled? Mexico has a humanitarian crisis on the U.S. border, so what's our role in the church? And our Tampa Bay Buccaneers get some divine intervention. All this and more on this edition of A View from the Top. I'm John Morris, joined, as always, by Bishop Gregory Parks. Bishop, we haven't talked since really before Thanksgiving. Did you have a good holiday and a good trip? I had a great trip. I uh, traveled out west. Um, I have some family out in Utah, just outside of Salt Lake City. And my brother, who's a priest in Orlando, and I both flew out there to spend the Thanksgiving holiday with them. So we had a, a great time as a family. Um, like most families, ate too much, had a little bit to drink, and played some games and watched some football. What's the family game at the Parks House? We played a game called Telestrations, okay. uh, which involves six of us. And uh, basically, you receive a secret word, and you have to draw that word. Oh. And then you pass it to the person next to you who has to try to figure out what the word is based on your drawing. They write that down, and then the person next to them has to draw that word. Okay. So you can imagine by the end of the circle, by the time you get through all six people, you never know what you're going to have, <laughs> right. have on your pad at that point. But it was a lot of fun. Good, good. Well, it's always good to be with family. Before that, though, you had a big trip and a big meeting with the USCCB, all the bishops in Baltimore, and uh, some very weighty topics. Um, I was a little bit surprised to hear some of the news that came out, especially from Rome. Yeah, so we we just gathered for our fall plenary session, which means a gathering of all the bishops of the United States in Baltimore. The meeting started out with a bit of a surprise. Our president, president of the conference, Cardinal Daniel DiNardo, read a communique from the Holy See asking us not to vote on a number of the action items that had been proposed and presented for this particular meeting. The reason for that was the Holy Father and the Holy See felt that we could benefit from uh, attending the February meeting, which will take place in Rome, of all the heads of the bishops' conferences. You know, because the sexual abuse crisis is not something that's particular to us here in the United States, unfortunately, it's a worldwide problem. So all the heads of the bishops' conferences will come together to address this issue and to put forth uh, some concrete proposals on how to uh, deal with it and to overcome it. Was the meeting, and I know a lot of it's public, and then in, in years past there's been some closed-door sessions closed from the media. Was everything uh, open this time? For the most part, it was. We had one brief uh, meeting, just a, a few hours of what we call executive session, which is just the bishops by themselves and some key staff from the conference. But all of the other sessions, uh, two full days, were public and could be seen by live stream or on television, certainly had a lot of news coverage. What was kind of unique about this meeting was our first day, which was Monday of the week, rather than starting with a business meeting, we started out with a day of prayer. We had several speakers, including victims of sexual abuse, address the bishops directly. And we spent time in prayer, in Eucharistic adoration, and we concluded the day with celebration of the Eucharist. So I think it it set the tone for the week, put things in a spiritual context, and I think it was a good way for us to start. How were the victims received? They were received very well. And um, I I think the common uh, thought among the bishops who listened to them was, uh, boy, it takes a lot of courage to be able to speak to a group of bishops about what happened to them. But they were very thoughtful uh, in their comments. 
And I think most of them are just motivated by their love for the church and for a desire, obviously, that, that no one is ever abused again. You know, I know going into these kind of meetings, you probably have some sort of either personal what you would like to see done, or as a collective group, maybe you have, have talked among other bishops and said, boy, I hope we can do this. And then this, this communique comes from Rome. Was there a bit of frustration? Because that's what I sensed in some of the social media. There was, and, and I personally experienced that as well because I went into the meeting uh, hoping uh, that we would emerge with some concrete action items, some things that were going to be put in place to directly deal with the situation of abuse uh, here in our country. Um, there were two specific action items that we were supposed to vote on. One was a code of conduct for bishops, and the other was the formation of a lay commission to assist in the investigation of allegations against bishops as well as uh, priests. So uh, we didn't get to vote on either of those, and there were some other proposals which were put forth subsequent to that. And, and I guess, John, maybe that was the fruit of the meeting, was that there was a lot of very good discussion among the bishops, a good exchange of ideas, and we actually emerged with from the meeting with some new possibilities of things we hadn't considered before. For most of the laity, when they say, okay, the head of each bishop's conference is going to go to Rome to represent their local bishops, that's not necessarily a bishop, is it? Or is it? It is. It is Typically, a bishop. Okay. The, the head of the bishop's conference would, would usually be either a bishop or an archbishop or a cardinal. Okay. Yes. And so these will be bishops that will be going to Rome in February that will represent every country and every bishop's conference. I guess there's – are there multiple conferences in countries? No, each country would typically have a bishop's conference, which would represent all the bishops of that particular country. So, for example, we have the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. There would also be a bishop's conference in Canada, as well Mexico. as in Mexico and Latin okay. America. Do you expect that any of the things that you all talked about in Washington or in Baltimore to be communicated to the people in Rome and something come from that or are we going to have to wait till the spring meetings you know john i i not only um expect it uh, but we've been told that the things we discussed and proposed in baltimore even though we didn't vote on them as action items that they will be presented at this meeting in rome in february so i expect those items to be presented and um, again with the the wisdom and the input of other bishops from around the country that are dealing with the similar issue uh, that there will be some firm and concrete things that will emerge from that meeting that we can implement here in the United States. Uh, we mentioned Mexico a moment ago, uh, shifting gears here. We've got a humanitarian crisis going on just uh, in Tijuana and some of the border cities with uh, immigrants coming from Central America. They made the big caravan, the big push up, and now they're sitting outside the border. What is our role as a as a country in your eyes? What, what should we do? Well, what we have to remember is, uh, and I know this is a, a political issue and a controversial issue, but strictly from a spiritual sense, from the gospel, uh, we have to remember that these are individuals that are leaving their country of origin for a reason. Uh, either they're being politically oppressed, uh, they're living in fear there, they're seeking a better way of life, you know, just to be able to meet the, the necessities of their life and to care for their family, to care for their children. 
uh, we as a country hopefully uh, adopt an attitude of welcoming those individuals into our country. Now, the church believes that we should welcome them, but we also believe that it should be done legally. You know, that there is a process that they should have to go through to, to be able to come into our country. And so we do support that as well. That's a difficult position that everybody's involved with. I know the government, especially the Trump administration, has gotten beat up by it for some of the statements that they've made. But at the same time, most countries around the world don't just open their gates and let people come and go as they please. At least that's my understanding. No, that's that's correct, John. I mean, you as a country, you have to have borders if you're going to have a country and hopefully secure borders so you know who is entering your country. Because as we know, while there's many, many good people, there are also some with bad intentions as well. So we have uh, now several thousand individuals that are wanting to enter our country. They came here at a risk because there was no guarantee that they would be able to do so. And there's no guarantee with how soon we'll be able to process each of those cases. But my hope is is that we will embrace a spirit of compassion and of love towards them, recognizing the difficult situation that they come from, and uh, in due time, and in accord with our laws, that we'll be able to to welcome them into our country. It's, you know, such a different time when I, I talk to my kids who were late teens, early 20s, you know, and I told them that the world changed on 9-11 with all the security when we go to airports that's really the most physically evident place that you see it because you and I used to be able to accompany family out to the gate even in some instances if you were traveling with a child you 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 walk them to the plane itself now you you can't get outside the main terminal going back to a hundred years ago when our country was the the land of the of the immigrant to come into our country Things have changed now, and it's not the same world that we, we were in because of all the terroristic and issues. Oh, that, that's for sure, John. You know, we are a country, as you said, of immigrants, and we have always welcomed people into our country. 9-11 did change things forever, and unfortunately made it more difficult for all of us, <laughs> those people of goodwill, uh, to get around because we have to protect ourselves. So we have to recognize that. So but I guess that's the cost of freedom, you know, in a certain sense is in order to protect our freedom, we have to make sure that those that we welcome into our country are here with the same goodwill and intentions that we have. I just had the image come through my mind as, as we're talking here. Did you ever see the movie Gangs of New York? No, I didn't. haven't. It was a Scorsese picture, and it was about a lot of it in the background had to do with the people in the 1860s and 1850s who claimed that they were nationalists. They had been here since the early days, since the 1700s. And then you had this flock of Irish and Germans pouring into the country, and the, quote, natives wanted no part of them. Mm-hmm. And and it caused a lot of fighting. But that's sort of the growing pains of our country. And I think maybe we're, we're at that stage again in a, in a, in a different way, in a different border. Yeah, I would I would say that's a, a good way of saying it, John. You know, in prior decades and prior eras, it was uh, Europe, you know, Europeans that were coming here to our country, uh, and we welcomed them, and that's part of the beauty of the United States. You know, we're a melting pot, right, as we right. say. And now more recently, in recent years, has been coming from the South, from Mexico and from Central America, South America, individuals fleeing their own countries, 
and, and seeking freedom and seeking prosperity here in the United States. So it is a difficult period, but I, I have faith uh, and hope that we'll be able to work through the current issues. Locally, there's been some uh, happenings going on. I know you've been busy with dedications. Uh, first, I think you were at the House of Prayer in Clearwater with, with Dion Brown, and they built a new facility for priests, I think. They did. What a what a joy uh, to go there this week and to bless the new Mother Kuderick retreat house for priests. The Browns, Herb and Diane, they just have had a, a great impact here in our diocese. They established the House of Prayer in Clearwater as a spiritual retreat for lay people and for priests to come to. There at the House of Prayer, they also offer a certification program in spiritual direction Mm -hmm. so that individuals can learn how to accompany others on their spiritual journey. They offer all kinds of retreats there, and as you mentioned, just most recently opened a brand new uh, retreat facility, which is just dedicated for priests to be able to come, not just those from our own diocese here, but really from around the country and around the world. It is absolutely beautiful. You know, the facilities there is a very nice spiritual chapel area, as well as public gathering areas, a dining room and kitchen, some outdoor areas to relax, as well as some very comfortable bedrooms, and it is right on the water. So it's a a perfect setting for a spiritual retreat. It's tucked away, too. You know, if you're going to Clearwater, once you cross over the Courtney Campbell, you go under McMullen Booth or past McMullen Booth, and then just off to your left is Bayview Avenue, and you make a left there, and all of a sudden you're in a different world. Yeah, you come off of that busy road and uh, onto Bayview, and right there in front of you are these beautiful, beautiful retreat facilities. And when you're there, you just feel like you're in a, a different place. So it is uh, the perfect setting, and very grateful to to the Browns and to all who have helped to make the House of Prayer uh, what it is today. It's really a gift to our diocese and for those uh, a place for all those who come to it. Another gift to our diocese is Morning Star School in Pinellas Park, and you had a chance to go over there and bless a a little playground there that is really dedicated to some of our extraordinary children here in the diocese. That's for sure, John. Uh, We are blessed here in the Diocese of St. Petersburg to have a couple of different Morningstar schools, and one of them is located at Sacred Heart Parish in Pinellas Park. I was there to bless and dedicate what's called a sensory room. And actually, it's a it's a well-designed room, a place where the Morningstar students, and for your listeners who, who may not be familiar, children who have special needs, special learning needs, will go to Morningstar because they have a desire to learn, but they learn in different ways. And Morningstar provides them with that special needs education. A lot of times they're anxious or worried or they you know, get a little frustrated. So the sensory room is a place where they can go to relax and to find peace. There's different activities within the room that they can participate in to, to just help them to get to a good place. That's what we need. You and I need a little sensory room too. We call it a chapel. Yeah, I said, you know, it's funny, uh, John, I said the same thing uh, when I arrived there. And when I saw it, I told my assistant, Father Carl, I said, take some pictures because I might want to construct one of these at the pastoral center. You know, you know, you know? I heard a commercial the other day on another station, and I've seen it on other TV shows, these rooms where people can go to vent. Mm-hmm. They, they, they'll, they'll have a, I don't know, a 10 by 10 room or 20 by 20 with a bunch of appliance used appliances and just all kinds of stuff with 
hammers and baseball bats and so forth, and people can go in and let out their frustrations and bust things up. And yeah. you pay money to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's one way of getting your, your anger and frustration out in a, in a healthy way. I also mentioned when I was there at the sensory room that I like to maybe take a little more spiritual approach when I need a little bit of a time out. I find sometimes I'll just go and sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament and just spend some quiet time in prayer before the Lord and just be quiet. You know, you don't have to, to fill up your prayer time with a lot of words. Sometimes just being there in the Lord's presence can be very calming and very peaceful. Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going with it was we get so tied up in, in everything going on in our lives and, and we sometimes bottle up that anger. And, you know, you can go to a chapel and kind of just sit and chill. There's some events called Adore, which are taking place at the Cathedral of St. Jude the Apostle in St. Petersburg throughout the coming months. And uh, you'll be participating in that as well. But it is important for us to spend some time in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Yeah, I would say that that would be a much more healthy way of dealing with it than allowing it to affect your your personality or the way that you treat others and interact with others. You know, sometimes they call it uh, having a bad day, right? So-and-so is having a bad day. But really just to spend some quiet time and don't even have to be in a chapel, you know, just find a quiet place to go, maybe in your home even in the car instead of you know just putting the radio on right away when you get in, maybe just spend a few quiet moments in prayer before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's why we tell people to listen to Spirit FM, too, to get you in the right frame. That's a, that's a good alternative that's as right. well. I'd recommend that. <laughs> that's right. Hey, uh, coming up, you've got a big gathering with the uh, National Catholic uh, Youth or Directors are all coming to Tampa, and I think you're participating in that. I am. We are going to be hosting the National Conference of Catholic Youth ministers here in Tampa, and I will was invited to celebrate the closing Mass, uh, which will be at the Convention Center, and uh, looking forward to it. We're expecting a few thousand uh, youth ministers and uh, priests from around the country to descend here on Tampa for a several-day conference concluding with Mass. So today, you know, youth ministry is such a, an emphasis in our church, and particularly here in the Diocese of St. Petersburg with our new vision, Courageously Living the Gospel. And enhanced youth ministry opportunities is one of our goals. And so uh, this is a very timely conference, and uh, we're very fortunate that it's here in Tampa. And as you mentioned, uh, Courageously Living the Gospel, one of the goals was, well, it's multifaceted, especially for our youth, uh, looking at bringing on some regional directors and uh, growing the young adult uh, ministries. How's that coming? Yeah, so one of the goals of Courageously Living the Gospel was to hire three uh, associate regional associate directors of youth and young adult ministry. Uh, we've just completed the job description for those positions, and we'll be posting them in the near future. Hiring at this time of year around Christmas and the holidays is difficult, so probably it's going to happen after Christmas as people are looking ahead. Because you know, when whether you're dealing with teachers or youth ministers, other parish positions, uh, the summer is typically a time of transition. So if somebody is leaving a position and coming here to our diocese, likely it would happen this coming summer. So we'll be uh, posting that right after Christmas and um, look forward to hiring those positions who can help and assist and support all of the youth ministers here in our diocese. As we're getting into December now, our bucks have struggled this year. It's been an up and down (laughs) season. And as I said at the outset, 
Maybe the team needs some divine intervention, and they've called on Bishop Parks. <laughs> That's right, John. I I was invited to uh, celebrate uh, Mass with the team this coming weekend. Very, very happy to do so. You know, we can all use prayer in our lives, and maybe the Bucks can use an extra special prayer at this time. But I'm glad to see they won last weekend, so that was good news. They did, and, and as we're recording this, uh, we're going into the Carolina game. Any prediction? Well, of course, I'm uh, rooting for the Bucks and expecting a big uh, Tampa Bay victory on Sunday. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Bishop, I just want to let our listeners know that on our next program, uh, which will be in mid-December, be kind of a, a Christmas reflection on what uh, Christmas is like as a pastor, what Christmas was like at the Parks household, uh, <laughs> okay. what maybe Bishop Parks' favorite uh, Christmas traditions are. So we'll learn a little bit more about that. also want to remind our listeners, too, that uh, you can catch the, the recording of this every other Friday on Spirit FM, but also this recording will be on a future podcast. We, we're looking to schedule those on a regular basis, so look for those as well as on the diocesan website. That website is dosp.org. That's dosp.org. You can also find it on Facebook and uh, our other social media platforms at the Diocese of St. Petersburg. Bishop, I hope you have a great week, and can we close with your blessing? Of course. And so may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you always. Amen.